If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Better with Dr. Erica. Don't you want to be better, do better, and live better? With 21 years of experience in human behavior, Dr. Erica will help you put the you back in your life. Now, take this time to focus on opening yourself to this experience and let Dr. Erica pour into you. And here's your host, Dr. Erica. So I'm just really excited to be here tonight for this particular show because not only do I get to do something because this is Women's History Month and we're right after Black History Month. And as we say, Black History is history every day. Black history is history. And Black history in America is American history. And people need to, we need to get rid of it. We need to get used to that idea. So the only way I'm ever going to be in favor of abolishing or getting rid of black history is if it is interwoven into every single chapter of every history book. Then I ain't got to worry about it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Just um, don't hold your breath because. Um, no, I'm not. That's why we're going to continue to have Black History Month. You know, because I, I just want you to still be alive. <sighs> and if you're holding your breath, waiting for them to totally integrate us into history, you might die. Just briefly. So here's the interesting thing about what you were saying. I was talking to another friend of ours, actually, um, earlier today. And we were talking about how this work, this like diversity and inclusion work, this um, allyship instruction is it's heart work for one. Right. Not hard heart with a T. Like I do this because I'm very passionate about what I do. But then I wonder, am I ever going to be finished? Am I ever going to be done? Am I ever going to be able to look back and say, I did that? And yes and no, I can be done with today. I can be finished with my work for today. But this type of work it never finishes. And I look back at, I, I quote Adam, I quote James Baldwin a lot in a lot of the work I do. And then I remember that James Baldwin died before I was born, right? And the things that he said then are relevant now. And so you wonder what's changed. And then I go back to Frederick Douglass and you wonder what's changed. And you go back even further you know, you're like, okay, so when is this going to be over? When are we going to move beyond? And the answer is, um. So my guest tonight is Joy Stevens. <sighs> so <laughs> I'm going to let her give a little introduction of herself, but I have to say a few things first. So she is a corporate culture consultant. She's also like a business career coach. I'm, I always screw up the official name. That's close enough, yeah. And and she's just brilliant. She's one of those people that just knows something about everything. You know, you feel like in her spare time, she could be a political pundit. She literally does everything. She also hosts a radio show. She's a co-host on it called Thoughts and Moments, and she's on numerous other shows. So you are in for a super special treat. And the other great thing is we actually met at Spellman. You're getting to meet one of my dearest friends, but also my college roommate. So can you do me a favor? 
Mm-hmm. Can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself more than what I said? Sure. So um, I am, as she said, I am a corporate culture consultant. I'm actually a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant focused on changing the culture in companies, in organizations, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, doesn't matter. And I'm also an executive coach. So I call myself jokingly, but it does fit. I am the Harriet Tubman of corporate America. I will get you out if you need to get out. But my ultimate goal is to make corporate America a place where you don't have to run. I want it to be a place where you can stay. So uh, where you can stay and you can thrive. So I work on creating environments that are good for everyone and not just race, not just black people, but I want everyone to be included. And I am a champion of empathy for all. I love it. I mean, it seems like it should be the end of one of those preambles. It should be like with justice and empathy for all. You know what? If we change it to that, I'd be happy. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and justice and empathy for all. Let's do that. I'm going to write my congressman. Send it over to me and I'll just cut and paste it and send it over. <laughs> it's a new letter writing campaign. Between, ooh, we get the Deltas and the AKAs in on it. I mean, if, if they, I mean, I'm still getting millions of messages related to the last election. My email is full. There's all those political emails and text messages still. I am still getting tweets from Barack Obama. <laughs> I like him. I like Barack. He didn't ghost me like I thought he would after the election. He still tweets me every now and then like, hey, I'm doing this. I'll be like, hey, Mario. So, you know, we talked about kind of surviving the pandemic. So let me just let me know what are some ways that you've had to deal with this pandemic and has it affected your business? Yes, in multiple ways. So I'm I'm a consultant. I do a lot of on-site training and workshops. I like to do experiential things where I can work with small groups and you can't change hearts and minds by the thousands. You have to change them by the by the dozen. And so a lot of the work that I did was in small groups. And when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden, trip to New York is canceled. Trip to L.A. is canceled. Trip to Florida is canceled. And my money was not residing here. Right. So I had to pivot. And what I discovered is as people got more and more used to doing virtual uh, training, you know, I was able to translate a lot of my workshops into, you know, breakout sessions on Zoom and learning to use Zoom, WebEx, Teams, BlueJeans, StreamYard, all these different services. You know, I'm well-versed. I'm like IT up in this piece. But it allowed me to actually expand my business because one, I wasn't turning nothing down. But two, I can be in New York in the morning, in LA in the afternoon, and I've even done stuff at nine and 10 o'clock at night for the Philippines, for Japan, for Australia, you know, uh, in the UK. So I became international during a pandemic without being able to travel by the power of Zoom. That was good for my business, but the reason my business picked up was tragic because I've been talking about empathy, inclusion, diversity, valuing people since... I had a platform for people to listen in like 2010. Maybe five people listened then, maybe 10 in 2015, maybe 35 in 2019. But in 2020, when George Floyd was murdered on on air, so to speak, you know, everybody saw it in real time. We were all sitting at home in the middle of a pandemic. It wasn't filtered like they filter things on, you know, on the news and say it's too graphic. We're not going to show it. Everybody saw it. Everybody felt that same visceral reaction to the violence that, in my opinion, it brought forth echoes of crossing the Pettus Bridge in the 60s and the violence that people saw on television. Is now they're seeing that same type of mindless violence 
or unnecessary violence on the internet. Right. And all of a sudden people like, oh my gosh, this isn't who we are. How do we get here? Why is this still happening? Well, let me talk to you for a minute. And so I began having really good conversations, courageous conversations with companies. And the beauty of being a consultant is your CEO doesn't sign my check. I get paid before I get there. And if you don't like what I say, well, I don't have to come back, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the well-documented, fully researched, raw, unfiltered truth. I'm going to be tactful about it, but you're going to hear it and I'm going to be disruptive. And if you're not ready for that, that's fine. Some people are not ready for it, but a lot more people were or at least willing to take that chance and have that uncomfortable conversation all last summer. Now, I will tell you, there were days, Erica, where I was finished a two hour a two hour workshop, uh, a series of open ended conversations. And then I just literally fall to the side on the couch crying because it's so much so much to hear, so much to, you know, go through with people as they're sharing stuff that they've never shared with their coworkers before. The reason so many white people say, well, I've never heard this is because we've never said it. And we never said it because we knew they didn't want to hear it. And now the people are like, well, tell me what happened. Well, let me tell you about the eighth grade and the 12th grade and, and two years into college and last year and five years ago and my son. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, black people go through a lot. I never knew. And to hear that over and over and over and over again from June till last week takes a toll. But I wouldn't change it because I want people to know that. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. And that's how my business has been affected. So, again, if you don't have the heart for this and the passion for this, oh, I would have given this up almost immediately. But here I am still doing it a year later because it's important, period. Right. It doesn't have to be important to me. It's important. And so I do it. So I know you mentioned that sometimes it's so mentally and emotionally exhausting. I realize I'm probably paraphrasing mm -hmm. that you end up either falling over on the couch, crying, just being a lump. What yeah. are some things you do to take care of yourself so that you can continue to give and do this type of work? So some days you just got to turn it off. Like, you know, I mentally disconnect. Like there have been days, Erica, you will my best friend. And there have been days where I have been like, I can't talk to nobody because I knew that if I talked to you, it would break me. So I'm going to wait until I, till I have rebuilt my reserves, rebuilt my uh, armor, and then I can talk to my friends. You know, lots of baths, lots of just soaking, like, you know, listening to music, reading books. Again, the conversation I was having earlier, I, there's so many books now that were written decades ago about these topics. People like, have you heard of this book? It's called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Yeah, yes, I have. Have you ever heard of Beverly Tatum? Yes, I went to Spelman. You know, so getting people to understand that, you know, they're bombarding me with their quest for knowledge, their thirst. Can you help me, help me fix myself? And I want to, I want to help people fix themselves. But at the same time, I can't keep pouring out when nothing is pouring in. So, you know, I do appreciate my girlfriends for holding me down sometimes, for propping me up sometimes. My boyfriend has been like, sometimes when I would fall to the side, it would be right onto him. And he's still working from home and trying to like console me at the same time. Escapism, Netflix, Bridgerton was a very nice escape recently. I would like to say, that I exercised and ate right, but I didn't. I did a lot of nonsense. I ate a lot of feelings and they are all sitting right beneath this camera. 
I try to do self-care. I try to take care of myself. I try to listen to you and you tell me, well, you need to do this. I'll be like, uh-huh, let me get these Cheetos in real quick, though. So, yeah, that wasn't always perfect, but definitely had to take serious mental breaks before it broke me. Well, and it it sounds like one of the things you did was sometimes you have to just kind of pause and turn the volume down. And then there were times where you also leaned on your support. Mm-hmm. And then you also were watching kind of what your self-talk was, mm-hmm. um, which which are all really important things that I think no matter what kind of work we all are doing, that it's it's important for us to get rest, to get sleep, to be able to recharge our bodies. Mm-hmm. And it's important ideally to try to fuel ourselves well, so to eat healthy and drink healthy. And I always talk about drinking healthy because one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is it's very easy to be as they would, I can't say sick and sip it on some scissor because um, they actually were doing syrup. But, I mean, but, but it's so easy to be mindlessly sipping on alcohol in ways people wouldn't have before because it's around. Most of the time, you know, unless you had brandy or bourbon and something in your office, if you were going to work, there wasn't a bottle of wine or something around that you could just kind of sip on like you're sipping on water. And and one of the things we noticed was during this pandemic, when you add the stress and then just being kind of in the house that people's drinking went up. Yeah. I maintained some of the stock that I held in some liquor companies and wineries because I knew we was about to all be lit during the pandemic. Everybody was, everybody was drinking to escape or drinking to console or just drinking because they were bored, you know? And so just like everything else. And I, I was, I was one of them. Um, and I, I think the other thing is, is one of the things that a lot of us had to do, especially as small business owners, is if the industry or what you were doing didn't sit perfectly well in what was going on, the magic word started to become pivot. But it was kind of the short version is figuring out how you could still get your hustle on in a way that worked in the current climate or environment. So for me, I actually started a telepsychiatry practice because I wasn't going to travel as much in the middle of a pandemic. For Joy, it was shifting into more specific DNI work when before she was kind of doing some of it, but she went all the way in on it then. But you know, the one thing I also want to say is for everyone out there that there are some people that somehow became more energized and focused during this pandemic. But it's okay if that wasn't you. Some people, the pandemic, the whole narrative of the pandemic, and almost, even the people I know that have pivoted or, or you know, you talk to and they're like, and I'm making 300% more in profit in my business, is that no one, it feels like they are are going full force all the time. So whether or not you had to just survive a little while or that you spent the majority of this pandemic feeling like, hey, I would love to be uber productive. I would love to read all the books. I would love to learn new skills. I would love to cook all of the meals. I would love to grow a business. I'd love to start a business, but I'm just tired and it takes everything I have just to get up in the morning. It's okay if the pandemic didn't turn into your big pile of productivity. So I don't want you to feel bad if that's not your narrative because this this hit everyone and sometimes it hits differently and each person has their own narrative or story of what they've been carrying and lifting 
throughout this entire pandemic because there's been so much to lift throughout it. Just as we're going to shift briefly, is there a lot of narratives and ways that we all can embrace being a woman or being a business owner or even being black? Is there lots of narratives and ways that people have moved throughout this pandemic? We'll be back soon after word from our sponsors. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. And we're back. I totally love our sponsors. We couldn't do this podcast without them. So my next question for you, Joy, how did you decide to become a business owner and entrepreneur? In a nutshell, I'd had it. That's how I left corporate America. I'm not doing this anymore. There's got to be something else. When I found myself, I knew at a certain point that I wasn't going to stay with the company I was with. And when I found myself trying to figure out how can I shrink myself back into a box to be marketable to the masses. There was something to me that um, it, uh, it cracked open. I'm not going to say it broke. I'm going to say it cracked open. And all of a sudden there was all this energy and ideas. I'm like, no, no, excuse my French on your show. No, hell no, I'm not doing this. I've had it. I'm going to start telling the truth. Now, how can I do this and, and eat? Got to pay the bills. And um, actually, I picked up, moved from Houston, Texas, back to Atlanta, Georgia, because, again, the history that I had with um, marketing, with sales, with business and geography, I was like, what I'm trying to do, I can't do in Houston, even though I was born and raised there. My opportunity is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I moved back to Atlanta um, for the fourth time and I started slow and I was committed to this has to happen. I also, I'm not going to lie, this isn't for everybody. When I left corporate America, I left with a nest egg that I knew I could, could buffer me for the better part of a year. I gave myself a year. If I can't get this off the ground in a year, well, I guess I'm going to have to go ahead and, you know, put the suit back on and figure out how to get back into corporate with this year of owning my own business under my belt. But lo and behold, a year, eight months later, I got clients. I'm doing work. I'm making ends meet. I'm no longer living off that nest egg. I actually put some of it back into my 401k. Like, all right, I'm good. And I'm still good. And I'm going to continue to be good because I was able to meet a need. I was, I was offering supply before demand was there. And now that demand is there, things are going great. Again, it, I reached a point, and I've seen a lot of this in the last few years, people reaching the point where like, you know what? No, I'm not going to be inauthentic anymore. And that looks different for a lot of different people. I've seen engineers become carpenters. I've seen um, doctors become guitarists. You know, people like, I'm going to do what I love because life really is too short for me to be sad every day. I learned a long time ago, you can't pay me enough money to make me crazy. And I found myself submitting to the craziness too often. And I had to stop. That makes sense. What you started with just hit me in my soul as far as not wanting to shrink yourself so that you'd be 
equivalent of more palatable. I'm, mm-hmm. you, you had, it was really colorful, even though I'm not repeating it back quite as colorful um, as you said it. But, you know, I, I love to hear your story of how you transitioned. And I, I think a lot of us, it's it's out of the frustration of how we were working before just didn't seem to fit that something about it, either the process of it, what you got or how you did it wasn't quite fully aligned with with where we were with our um, with our values or with our purpose. So I think it's really it's really good to hit on that. And I, I think something else that's really important to bring out briefly since we are in Women's History Month is the impact of Spelman College on us making these journeys and, and these decisions. Cause I know for me, my experience at Spelman, even though there have been times I may not have had the most confidence, is that somewhere subconsciously, I always knew that me being a woman wasn't a barrier to ultimately being able to do what I wanted to do. It may mean it's a harder road being a black woman, because sometimes I feel like being black, being a black woman, is it wrong if I say sometimes it feels like for me, if I had to pick being black, sometimes it's like, is being black harder, being a woman harder? You know, it depends on who I'm with. And it's, it's all that intersectionality. Mm-hmm. But even though I can acknowledge and I was taught very well by my parents that there are going to be struggles and challenges you have that are specifically due to be you being a woman, you being black or you being a black woman, that something about Spelman instilled that even though those challenges may be there, it didn't mean that it's impossible. I was special enough and we were all special enough to overcome those challenges, mm-hmm. to live our dreams and leave a legacy on the world. How do you feel like Spelman impacted you in your career? I wouldn't be who I am. Not even a little bit. And this is not to denigrate because I had other options. You know, I'm from Texas. Prairie View A&M is right there. Texas Southern University is right right around the corner from where I grew up. Both my parents are graduates from Texas Southern University. So it wasn't just the HBCU. It was specifically Spelman College and what it does for black women. The difference for me is nobody ever, nobody ever thought I couldn't. You know what I mean? There was never this, well, if you try real hard, maybe it's when you're going to do it. Because you can. And then to have all these other black women as instructors, as teachers, being excellent, being being so smart that I'm like, how, how is Dr. Gilliard doing this? I don't understand anything she did. Girl. For for all of you out there, Dr. Gilliard was our organic chemistry instructor. (laughs) Dr. Gilliard was an organic chemistry master. And when I tell you, she probably forgot more by 8 a.m. than I will ever know about organic chemistry. That woman was a national treasure. And to be able to learn from her was amazing. And then to see all these women at the pinnacle of their academic endeavors as professors, doctors, instructors, et cetera, you can go look look up Dr. Gilliard. You can look up any name of any professor at Spelman and they are so much more than just a teacher, you know, and then having them look at you like you're next. What are you going to do? Not, well, maybe, well, if, well, I don't know. Well, it's never been done. Just, okay, when are you going to do it? And that baseline of unconscious support if I can put it that way like it was always assumed that I would and so it never occurred to me that I didn't or I couldn't or I could not you know so yeah that is more than family what I hear between the two of us is one of the biggest things is representation matters Mm -hmm. 
So there was something extremely strong about seeing black people and black women that were intelligent, that were leaders, that were strong, that also were a collective family. So the other mm-hmm. the other thing about it was you didn't just see intelligent, strong black women, but you saw supportive black women that were cheering for each other and lifting each other up, which mm-hmm. I I think it's, it's something very beautiful that a part of me is a little sad that everyone doesn't get to experience it at the level you experience it, Spellman, because you can experience it other ways. But it's just so many of us <laughs> at Spellman. So it's more than even, you know, if you're in a sorority or mm-hmm. if you have your, you know, your crew of your girls, it, it's just a little bit different when it's a thousand women all, all kind of in there together. You know, um, I was part of the dual degree program which was a three, two program, three years at Spelman, two years at Georgia Tech. You get two degrees at the end of five years. That's how it went. And when I got to Tech, there was already that, you know, well, Tech is hard. Says who? Well, you know, you have to worry, you have to struggle. We won't be, don't be disappointed if you don't excel. Um, Can I get my Dean's list please though? Because that's what I did. You know, again, the, the confidence, the, What's the word I'm looking for? It was a supposition of excellence. You know, you're supposed to be this good. I don't know why you thought you weren't. And so when I got to tech, they're telling me, well, don't be afraid of the, afraid of what? I'm supposed to be this good. I don't know why you thought I wasn't. And I'm graduating at a, at a higher level with, with, you know, better grades, more times on the dean's list, et cetera, than the kids that started there who didn't get that foundational support from something like Spelman College. The dual degree kids would come blazing through there. Uh, Spelman and Morehouse and Clark, because we had that family right up the street that was like, you better go on out there and show them what you are. You know, like Black Panther, tell them who you are. You know, so I get a little little messed up talking about it, you know. I know, I know. I know. We're going to switch gears slightly. I want to make sure people, people get some nuggets. So we're going to kind of do a speed round. Caveat, since I'm about to go speed round, that this is one of the beautiful things about working with you, Erica, is I can throw out 11 letters and you can make words out of them. You know, so I was like, blah, 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 blah. You're like, so what I hear you saying is X, Y, Z. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. you. I'm now ready for my speed round. (laughs) What is one of the best lessons that your mama taught you? Ooh, one of the best lessons my mom taught me. Don't let anybody talk to you any kind of way. Okay. You know, you know who you are. So that part. Got it. The next one is what's one piece of advice you'd like to tell your younger self? Tell my younger self. You are more than you think you are. And stop, stop playing dumb to make other people happy. Preach. So you have this day off. Now, you know, this is fictional because we know we know in the world of entrepreneurs, it's hard to get a full day off, but have a day off. What are you looking forward to doing? Sleep until 10 would be such a luxury. And then in a perfect world, like if we're going to do fantasy, so COVID is over, um, brunch with my girls, two mimosa brunch minimum, um, <laughs> maybe a hot bath, you know, uh, some mindless television followed by some really good food that I cook because I, I like my food better than most restaurants. And um, back a massage, a really good massage 
to, to, to wind it all up and then uh, back in the bed by like 10 o'clock. That was all quality time and self-care all rolled mm-hmm. up into a whole bunch of activities topped by bed. Yes. Cannot be mad at that. What is one thing to do or one thing that you do when someone either disrespects you or underestimates you? If I feel disrespected, I halt the conversation and I give them a quickly, okay, so let's level set on what's happening here. And this is what I'm hearing. And this is how it's coming across. I'm not sure if that's what you meant, but this is how it's being received. And, and the face that you're getting now is the face that they get like, you got one more time to say what you just said or it's on. Well, I, I love the use of level set, but then it's, you're like, I just need to clarify. Mm-hmm. And then they can contemplate if they really want to say it again mm-hmm. or how to move forward. But I, I love the fact that that's, it's something active. So it doesn't feel like either you're just sitting there trying not to say anything because you're the, don't want to be the angry black woman or you're just, you've lost it and just got <laughs> Right. And, you know, that happens very often. I, co- I counsel women of color specifically in corporate spaces about that lack of release, because if you don't continually let people know what is happening to you, let them know how you feel. I think Zora Neale Hurston said, if you remain silent while they hurt you, they'll kill you and say you liked it. And I may be getting that quote wrong, but basically what she's saying is you got to speak up for yourself. And if you don't, then when it does reach the level over time, where you can't take it anymore, then boom, now you're the angry black woman. Now you're difficult. Now you've had a disproportionate response to the, the last straw that broke your back. You know, so if you keep knocking the straws off every day, okay, let's level set real quick about what just happened. I'm big with, um, so you're supposed to take a rolled up newspaper and bop a dog on the nose when they do something wrong. I'm big with bopping people. I'm gonna tell you right now what you're doing or how it comes across to me. And if I'm wrong, I will admit, okay, I misunderstood that different frame of reference. But if it's really happening, you're going to know that I know that you did that. If you underestimate me, that's at your own peril. But I do want to pause here for a moment because there, there's something really great in the midst of that. Not only can you blow if you hold all this stuff in, the other thing is it's not good for your own mental and physical health. Uh, it's going to come out somewhere, just maybe not there. Right. But the other thing is I love the fact that it's a correction or a clarification in the moment. Mm -hmm. So there's not time to there'd be confusion of what the intent was or what happened, or you're trying to tell someone something about something they did a week ago that they don't remember. So it's almost like when you're disciplining a child is that you are doing the correction in the moment Mm -hmm. so that they can have a clear understanding of what's going on unless they just choose not to. But also you can get clarity because there are times all of us have had conversations where what we said and what someone heard was different. Right. And whereas if you clarified and were able to say, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. And the whole thing mm-hmm. is over and done with versus all the baggage you carry when it's not clarified in the moment or the fact that then when you address it later, the person doesn't quite understand what you're talking about because they don't remember. Right. Because again, there's that level of self, not self-centeredness, but I can't put it another way is, well, how it affected me may not be how you meant it to affect me. So you said something, you're off doing something else with your life. I'm still burdened and bothered by it. So a week later, I've allowed it to grow in its space in my mind until it's huge. And I'm coming to talk to you about this huge thing. You're like, what? I don't even remember that. And so you have to address it in the moment for them as well as you. The problem with microaggressions is that it is an unco- they usually stem from an unconscious bias, which means it means nothing to people when they do it, unless you tell them how it was received. 
otherwise a week or two later, then what? I don't, why are you bringing this up now is usually the question, you know? So, and the last speed round question is what is your superpower? My superpower is telling the unvarnished truth in a way that you can digest it. You're going to get this work. <laughs> right. All right. So um, I have totally enjoyed this conversation. You know, we can't keep everyone here forever. So we do need to wrap up as much as I would love not to wrap up and just hang out with you for a whole another hour later. So the next thing I'd like to say is, number one, thanks for coming on. I'd like to for you to tell the audience, do you have one takeaway or pearl that you want people to take away from this conversation? Yes. And it may not have been expressly stated throughout the conversation, but I want you to realize that you can do whatever is on your heart to do. There's a reason it's on your heart. And the longer you ignore it, the more unfulfilled you're going to feel until you address what's in your heart. So do that. That's what I would take away from this. I love it. It's 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 so it's so simple. And I love that's the, the great thing about most things that are really, truly life changing is they're almost so simple that it shouldn't be that hard. But it's so simple that it's hard. Right. Right. It's right in front of your face, but you can't see it. You know. So can you tell the people where to find you? Yes. It's my website, newheightsawait.com. And so uh, my company is New Heights Academic and Leadership Consulting. We do everything from, again, from nonprofits to corporate America to um, government entities as well. So if you have if you work for somebody and your company needs to have a better hold or a better understanding of how they need to treat each other and treat their employees, come talk to me and I can help you out. My takeaway is that we all have something beautiful inside ourselves and it is our job to let it out. Yes. That is our job. That's <laughs> so what we have to do. We have to let it out. We, we, we can't be being selfish to the world, holding all of our greatness. Exactly. People need to see this. It is selfish. So I want to say, number one, thank you so much for doing quality time with us. I'm feeling all of the love. Um, thank you for taking time out of your super busy schedule, Joy, to, to do this quality time with us. But I want to say, number one, I love all of you. I appreciate your time. I also want to let you know that I, I appreciate the fact that we all made it here together. I want everyone to continue to make it to each day together, which means coronavirus isn't over. So please continue to wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands, all that good stuff. Because even though we're starting to get vaccinated, everyone is not vaccinated and we can still potentially get it and transmit it even vaccinated. So it's very important for us not to just fall off. Don't don't fall for the okie doke. With that, I'll just say until next time, have a better day. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Dr. Erica at D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A and online at betterthepodcast.com. Follow her to get practical strategies to deal with feelings of frustration and overwhelm so you can be a thriving star in your own life story. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe button and also leave a review. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, 
you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.